This is Main Street on Prairie Public. I'm Ashley Thornburg. Coming up in the second half of today's show, genetically modified food and labeling. But we are going to start today with football and meditation and an upcoming meditation challenge. We are visiting today with Amir Madison. He played football at Mary in Bismarck and then went on to play professional arena football for the Bloomington Edge and is now the founder of Yogi Athletes and works very much with athletes and using yoga and meditation to better train them for athletic performance. Amir, thanks so much for joining us today. Yes, thank you for having me. What was your introduction to yoga and meditation? So my introduction, I ended up going to a yoga class my friend took me to um, years ago, it's around 2008, and it was after football practice, and I just went to a class. She was like, you should come to the yoga class with me. And I'm like, ah, yoga, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I play a real so sport. <laughs> I <ended> up, <laughs> I'm like, I didn't think anything into it at the time, so I just went. And I noticed, the first thing I noticed in, my, in the yoga class, I couldn't stand on one leg. Like, mm. I couldn't balance on one leg. And I was like... What? So, and I'm seeing everybody in class. I'm looking to my right. I'm looking to my left. People are calm. I'm, I'm over here anxious. It's like, what's the next move? And like <laughs> trying to like focus on my breathing. And so I just noticed all this stuff that I was like off on. I'm like, okay. So that first day I said, I'm going to come in here every day. Mm-hmm. So I literally started incorporating yoga into my training. So I would wow. uh, train in the morning and then I would have my yoga in the evening, and I did it consist- consistently. Like, I didn't stop, and I just noticed the benefits that it, that it was happening for me at first on the field. Yeah. Uh, as, a, as an athlete, you know, it's just I was being more composed. Um, I was able to kind of slow down the game just by being controlled of my breath. So it was just, like, minor details in my game that I saw that was just um, – being more calm on the field and I from there I just started to see how it trans translated onto off the field into my life well here I am thinking about you playing um, the the cornerback and the free safety for the Bloomington Edge and we're talking about a very fast moving sport from the moment that that ball is snapped and you you know you're like the Deion Sanders here you got to run and cover this wide receiver you have to be fast you have to anticipate where that ball is going and prevent the wide receiver from catching it and yoga you know we very much think of take a deep breath and release and hold. They don't sound like they should complement one another. (laughs) So walk us through what you said where you felt the game start to slow down and you could get out of that anxiousness of anticipating the next movement and just move into responding to the next action. Yeah, I believe it's just um, being controlled of your breath. Like the most important thing about yoga, everybody thinks it's the it's the asana practice or movement, but 
it's just being more aware of, of your prana, which is our breath, our life force. Without prana around, we would drop like flies. Mm -hmm. So just being more conscious of of the breath. And once you become more aware of the breath, you start to just see, like I called it like being in the zone. So you mm -hmm. was, I, I would just go into a zone where if I am, like I just did a play and, that, and we have a, um, have like a two minute drill or the quarterback's just, there's no huddle and you're sprinting to get back to the line of scrimmage and you're panting. It's just being aware of that and just taking those slow, deep breaths as, as best as you can before that snap count comes. And you're able just to be in that, in that awareness space. And um, that's where I just started to see the game just yeah. kind of, I was having more fun when I was able to be staying composed. I was, I was able to, react and not think I was able just to play and have fun instead of trying to think, okay, we're in cover two. Now I got to be dropping this zone or now I'm in third. It's just like, no, just you're in flow. You go into this flow state. So yeah. 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 The thing yoga teachers are always telling you to do be in the moment. Mm -hmm. hmm. Did you take what you were learning in yoga and talk to your coaches about it? <laughs> I, <laughs> in 2017, I actually went to a coaching convention in Anaheim, California. And um, my uh, mission there at the time was just like, I just want to hear coaches um, like reaction about yoga. Like, what do they feel about it? And I went to, I talked to a few um, coaches um, and the majority of the responses were, oh, we know the benefits or we think we know, but we don't know how to incorporate it in the training. Hmm. Like, what does that look like in their schedule? Or, oh, yeah, we've heard about it, but, you know, we don't know how to, like, make it work. So I think at the time, and even back then, like, yoga was very, like, taboo. You know, it was really like, oh, yoga, huh? But, like, now I, I believe it's becoming more... Uh, lack of a better word is a, it's a fad and people are, but in a positive way, like people are becoming more aware of, you know, what they're consuming and how their body is feeling. So in a, in a way it's a, it's a great thing, but um, I think coaches are still trying to find ways to adapt hmm. into that space. Yeah. Amir, could you do a little comparison for us of the strength and resilience that you need for football and the strength and resilience that you need for yoga? Where do they overlap? Where are they a little bit different? Well, I believe even with football, you know, everybody just thinks it's such a contact sport, but the mm. majority of football is mental. You know, it's it's about... 80% mental and you have 10% physical. So if you can be aware of the mental aspect of the game and just being consistent on your training and just getting better, um, I think that's the most important thing um, as far as when comparing yoga to um, football. I think not even just football, I believe in like any sport, um, if you can control the mind, if you can control your your um, your outtake on what on your performance, you know it, it's going to show in your game. If you're going to be like, 
oh, I just got beat on this play. I hope I don't get beat again. You're probably going to get beat again, like, because that's your mm-hmm. mindset. Or it's like, all right, that play's over. Now to the next. Be present in that moment. You know, my coach used to say, all right, that play's over. Don't think about that play. If you got beat on that play, it's over. What's next? You know, instead of trying, if, you, if you're in that headspace, oh, I just got beat in that play, and you mm-hmm. stay in that headspace, mm-hmm. you get took over the top as a corner again, it's your fault because you're in that headspace. Hmm. So um, I, I think just having a positive mindset is most important. Yeah. So what's your meditation challenge? Meditation challenge. Super excited about this meditation challenge. It's starting March 1st. Um, this meditation sa- uh, challenge is designed to build a consistent practice um, leading to improved focus, um, reduced stress, better sleep, and overall wellness. It's going to be a 30-day guided meditation class virtually. Um, The meditation class will consist of breath work, um, lifestyle practices to to improve mental and physical well-being. Uh, We'll have journal journal props to track progress and reflect on personal growth. And it's um, awesome because our new for the this is going to be for our new platform, our on-demand studio. So those who sign up for the 30-day meditation will get a month free of our on-demand Yogi Athlete Studio. And that's available at weareyogiathletes.com. We are visiting with the founder, Amir Madison, who played football for the University of Mary in Bismarck and then went on to play for the Bloomington Edge in professional arena football. The 30-day meditation challenge begins on March 1st. Amir, can you clear up some misconceptions about meditation for us? Do people need to be able to sit in that classic lotus, you know, double cross-legged position for 30 (laughs) to 60 minutes at a time and and achieve that total nirvana-like mind nakedness state immediately to do this? (laughs) No, never. You never have to feel like you're going to have to start levitating or being on some type of magic carpet. Um, it's uh, meditation meets you where you're at. Yoga meets you where you're at. Um, you can start anywhere. You can have a moving meditation as you're walking. You can have a driving meditation, just focusing on your breathing. Um, you're not trying to see your thoughts or trying to stop your thoughts. All you're doing is just being being present in the moment. See how long you can be present in the moment, even even if it's for two minutes, sixty seconds. Um, it's just a great way to, I, I tell my students this, as much as you do physical fitness, you should have some type of me- mental fitness in your practice. Hmm. So, um, yeah, that's what I would have to say. Yoga, yoga will meet you where you're at. Meditation is going to meet you where you're at. Amir, is there anything to this idea that yoga and meditation can prevent injuries? Yes. Um is very injury prevention. Um, for myself, I have a quick, so when I was playing arena football, I ended up um, tearing some ligaments in my right ankle, caught an interception and came down and uh, just came on my ankle wrong. And I was, physical therapy told me I wasn't going to be able to come back within 16 weeks. Hmm. So from there, I thought my season was over. I went back home, um, started to practice hot yoga and I came back within six to eight weeks so I was able to finish the season so yes um, yoga can help you from injury preventions 
just keeping that fluid that fluid range of motion in the body and being less rigid um, is always helpful. Even if you come down on your on your ankle wrong or you fall wrong, you know, just being able to be flexible in that moment, you know, it's um, it's a good it's a great way for athletes to stay to stay um, to stay healthy. Yeah. Do you have any pull? And mentally. Do you have any pull with Mahomes playing in the Super Bowl with a high ankle sprain? Man, oh, <laughs> I can't imagine. And uh, and then again, that goes with all you know the mental state. You know, mm. if he was, oh, my ankle sprained, I can't go anymore. But no, he he was able to go into that mentality of, you know, I'm let's let's get this done. And being in a positive mindset, you know, carried him yeah. on to win that Super Bowl. So, you know, the most the most elite athletes, you know, they practice the yoga. You have. Kobe Bryant practiced um, yoga. LeBron practiced yoga. Phil Jackson actually used to do meditation classes with the Bulls mm-hmm. and the Lakers during mm-hmm. their um, during their championship run. So you can see the benefits right there, just for that mindset for athletes. Do you work with athlete yogis differently than a non-athlete? I pretty much gear it towards everyone. Um, but specifically towards athletes as far as what type of movement we're going to do. So if we're working with um, football players, we're going to do a whole full body like stretch as far as getting into the hips, um, getting into the shoulders. Um, if you're f- focusing with baseball players, you want to get also into the hips and the rotator cups of the shoulders. So it just depends actually on the athlete what are they what are they looking to improve on are they looking to improve on their balance are they are they wanting to be more uh flexible into their hips and lower back you know a lot of athletes i just was practicing with the track team this week and a lot of their pain comes into their lower back Hmm. and hips so you know being able to uh, practice more of a yin or restorative practice instead of doing something more invigorating, being able to um, calm the body down after such a stressful um, workout is, um, is important. Yeah. When we're talking about multi-million dollar contracts for you know, the NFL, the NHL, or even, you know, it's real money uh, on a pro level, even if you're not um, in that sort of stratosphere. It's so driven by data and statistics. Coaches want what is going to enhance performance by 1%, and that will make a huge difference. Do you have to deal uh, with coaches or with athletes at all saying, I want you to guarantee you can increase my pitching by two miles an hour. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, I haven't been in that situation, but I would say this for athletes, um, your body is worth, you know, I tell these to my younger athletes, my high school athletes, you know, you want to make it to to the uh, the big leagues is, you know, you need to keep your body healthy. And that means physically, mentally, spiritually, like what you're consuming. So you want to go into that, um, into the major leagues, you know, you have to know, you have to look at your body like your body is wealthy in that way. Hmm. Like your body is worth that $5 million contract. Your body is worth that $40 million contract. So 
what are you going to do to improve and uh, have your body in that in that type of shape? And when I tell my high school students, like they're like, "Oh, I never thought about it like that." And it's you know, it's it's true. But for the um, athletes that are already in the major leagues and and in the professional level, I would say just try it out and see what you think. You know, I'm not going to guarantee anything. It's gonna you're going to see the results yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, not even having to be like, "This is going to happen," and you're going to see this. You're going to organically feel the results for for your for you. Hmm. Do you ever get made fun of for this? <laughs> um, when I was younger, um, uh, years ago, yeah, it was just <laughs> like I said, I used to try to get my friends and other teammates to come take a class with me. And they're like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> what are you talking about yoga? And at the time, at that time, I would literally, I kept it to myself for years. It was just mm. something that I did for myself. But once they started to see the progress and I can say this, my body's healed like I never played it down a football. Wow. And the friends that I and the friends that I do play ball with, you know, they're still having injuries that they carried since high school and college and professionally. And you know, I I I feel like I've I found the fountain of youth. I'm not, I don't look as old as my, as the players that I played with. And now, you know, since they see me and I've been consistent for so many years, now my friends come up to me, Hey man, I want, I want, I would love to do a class with you or, Hey, how can I sign up to, mm. to come to an event or what was your Yogi athlete, uh, website? I, I want to take classes. So, you know, once you start to lead by example, you know, people yeah. will start to gravitate towards you. But if you're trying to force things on the people, that's more of a pushback. So mm. I would just say for anybody, you know, that's pursuing something uh, that they believe in, you know, just just focus on you and, and show the improvements that's going on within you. And people will see that um, from the outside looking in. And when do you sneak in those journal prompts? I've never in my life heard a football player say, we're going to have journal prompts. <laughs> Amir, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, yoga and the the culture and the spirituality that can often be associated with yoga. And specifically, I'm asking this because you went to the University of Mary, which is a Catholic Benedictine school in Bismarck. Uh, yoga came from the same part of the world as Hinduism. There is some overlap. Some of the poses, the asanas are named after Hindu deities. Uh, Many people in Hindu traditions have said you can practice yoga to become a better Christian. You can practice yoga to become a better Muslim. You can practice yoga to become a better person. Did you have any concerns uh, faith-wise going from the University of Mary to this yoga and and this meditation? Um, That's a good question. Um, No, actually – um, when I was going to U Mary, I was very, um, just confused of where I was spiritually. Hmm. Like I didn't know at the time what to believe in. I didn't really, I didn't really follow a certain, um, path of religion. You know, I was always, um, always wanted to dissect it and figure out like why it was, I was always my question going to any type of um, 
church or anything. It was always a why, why, why. And the more I would ask why, the less answers I would get. And I would understand people would get frustrated. So I'm like, if you can't tell me, you know, what this religion is about, or you can't make it make sense to me, then why should I believe in something like that? So for myself, I felt like yoga helped me dive deeper uh, in towards myself from within. And I believe learning learning myself more um, gave me, um, like I tell my students, you know, there some people are looking for spirituality. And it's like, if somebody tells you they can help you with spirituality, like, just run, just run away. Mm. Because that's, that's not it. You know, spirituality, spirituality comes from within. So it, once you start to showing love, care, patience towards yourself, you know, that energy is going to radiate onto others, but it all starts on how we love ourselves. So once I've, once you start to tap in from within, that spirituality will come organically for whatever type of religion you're in. Like you said, either if you are in Hinduism or Christian, whatever you believe in will amplify that once you believe in yourself. Amir, I was on your website, and again, it's weareyogiathletes.com. I've been on a lot of yoga websites uh, in my life, and especially for U.S.-based teachers. This is the first website uh, that I saw that I was really struck by. Most of the students, most of the people featured are not skinny white girls. (laughs) Was that intentional? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. So for me... Um, when I used to go to yoga, I would be predominantly the only black male in a yoga class. And I was surrounded by, you know, younger, skinny, white women or whatnot. But I just noticed, like, hey, I'm the only person in here, of, like, especially a male. And I wanted to change that. And again, that that at first I used to try to again, force people, hey, come on, you gotta, you know, people that look like me, you know, come, come take this class, come do this yoga. But for me, once I started to bring that self love towards myself, and people were seeing what how I was taking care of myself, other people that look like me, and uh, wanted to know what I was doing. And um, I just wanted to bring that self-awareness towards myself so I can bring that self-awareness onto others um, that look like me and get into the practice. And I think it's really important for, for people of color to get into a space where, you know, they can feel comfortable, where they can feel centered, where they can feel to be seen. And um, yes, that my website is very intentional for that. <laughs> That website, one more time, weareyogiathletes.com. The founder, Amir Madison, who played professional arena football for the Bloomington Edge and before that played for the University of Mary in Bismarck. The upcoming 30-day meditation challenge starts on March 1st. Amir, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Ashley, for having me. I really appreciate it. Still to come on Main Street, Sue Belcom and Harvest Public Media. But first, this news. For Prairie Public, I'm Danielle Webster. The state Senate has rejected a bill that would have moved the state crime lab to be under the supervision of the State Bureau of Criminal Investigation. That's something Attorney General Drew Wrigley proposed. 
Here's Warwick Republican Senator Judy Estenson. All the testimony we heard said that that was absolutely not a good idea from people and that the important thing for the crime lab is for it to be independent. Estenson said at the 11th hour, a hoghouse amendment was offered so that the bill only dealt with one new full-time position in the lab, a co-director. And I don't believe that the AG has any other co-directors. Edinburgh Republican Senator Jana Myrdal says she wants to make sure the lab is adequately staffed. And we have the chiefs of police and the sheriffs and the law enforcement across our state highly support us in making sure we get enough monies into the AG budget for the FTEs and to clean that up and to help the scientists that are working really hard down there. They're excellent. The Senate Appropriations Committee is working on the AG's budget, and, the Biz- and Bismarck Republican Senator Mike Dwyer said they'll make sure staffing is increased for the lab. The state Senate has passed a pair of property tax relief measures. The first one boasts, uh, boosts state aid to local schools and lowers the required local property tax for schools from the current 60 mills to 40 mills. Here's Castleton Republican Senator Mark Weber. Senate Bill 2066 is a good bill and it'll provide millions of dollars of property tax savings to property owners across the state. And property tax relief is what the voters are asking for. That bill passed on a 42-4 to 4 vote. A second bill, Senate Bill 2136, expands the eligibility for the homestead tax credit. That's available to anyone 65 or older, but current law has several income thresholds. The bill makes it one income threshold of $100,000, and any eligible person who makes under that level would be eligible for the full $9,000 credit. Stanley Republican Senator Jordan Kanianen. This program was seen by your finance and tax committee as a, a good vehicle for targeted tax relief this session. When it targets primary residences, which of course is real estate that is not income producing, and for those individuals that we want to ensure can stay in their homes in their retirement years. That bill passed on a 45 to 1 vote. Both bills will now be considered in the House. And a state Senate committee has endorsed a resolution calling for the Winchester Model 1876 rifle as the state firearm. That gun was introduced in the year 1876 and was called the Centennial Rifle. Enberg Republican Senator Jana Myrdal introduced the resolution on behalf of one of her constituents. It's historically uh, important to North Dakota dealing with Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt, and and uh, his favorite gun when he was here. And apparently there's some uh, pictures and statutes or whatever with that gun. No one spoke in opposition, and the resolution received a unanimous due-pass recommendation. The committee also gave a due-pass recommendation for resolution asking the U.S. Postal Service to issue a commemorative Theodore Roosevelt stamp to coincide with the opening of the Roosevelt Library to be built in Medora. For Prairie Public, I'm Danielle Webster. I'm Dave Thompson. On this week's Legislative Review, we'll talk with Montpelier Republican Representative Craig Headland, the chair of the House Finance and Taxation Committee. We'll discuss various options for tax relief his committee is considering. That's Legislative Review, 6.30 p.m. Central Time, Friday, right here on Prairie Public. This is Main Street on Prairie Public. I'm Ashley Thornburg. Next time you go to the kitchen, check the labels on your food. You might find a small statement or symbol for bioengineered. A year ago, the U.S. began to mandate that food manufacturers, importers, and retailers make that disclosure if a food or substantial ingredient has been genetically modified. 
Harvest Public Media's Katie Pikus looks at what, if any, impact it's had. It doesn't take long to find a food or a food product with some mention of bioengineering on it. For example, here in my freezer, I have these soy-based chicken patties. And on the back of the packaging, there's a small circle symbol that says bioengineered. Before the mandate went into effect, the U.S. Department of Agriculture did a presentation explaining the standard's purpose. We can increase transparency in our food system and give consumers information about the bioengineered status of their foods. The USDA's national standard for labeling bioengineered foods came about in response to states passing or proposing their own legislation. It was meant to avoid a patchwork of regulations. It covers 13 crops and foods that are GMOs. That's genetically modified organisms that have had their DNA altered in a lab to give them certain traits. Take note of four crops on the list— corn, canola, soybeans, and sugar beets. Most of those crops in the U.S. are genetically modified, says William Holman with Rutgers University's Department of Human Ecology. We make so many ingredients out of those particular crops. Much of what Americans eat has an ingredient from a GMO crop, like foods that have high fructose corn syrup. But Holman says this is where the regulations get tricky, because not all those bioengineered ingredients have detectable genetic material, meaning they don't fall under the USDA standard. It complicates things immensely. The question is, so what is the law intended to do? The law is intended to disclose and make transparent to consumers, you know, what it is that they are eating. Critics like the Center for Food Safety and some grocery stores and food advocacy groups challenged the USDA in court over the exclusion of many products from the standard. A federal court largely upheld it. Natural Grocers was one of the parties that sued. The Colorado-based retail chain sells organic produce. Natural Grocers' Alan Lewis says the bioengineered labeling is too narrow and was designed to confuse people by using the term bioengineered instead of GMO. A shopper that cares about non-GMO and protecting planet, environment, and and their family's health isn't using that as a source of reliable, consistent information. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration has concluded GMOs are safe to eat. For consumers, it's difficult to know if they're aware of the disclosure standard. Brian Ronholm is the director of food policy for Consumer Reports. He says people care about GMOs, but the USDA standard uses the term bioengineered and only requires a statement in small print or a small symbol. It should be labeled more clearly so it's very easy for consumers to understand Would the wording or size of the labeling make any difference? Erin Adalja is one of the co-authors of a Cornell University study on a now-defunct GMO labeling law in Vermont. He says the discussions during the legislative process influenced consumer habits more than the actual labeling. And, he says, that's likely the case with the national standard, too. We don't expect there to be a big blip in, you know, a big drop in GMO demand or a big change in demand. Ultimately, it's up to consumers to read the fine print and make their own choices about what foods they eat. I'm Katie Pikus, Harvest Public Media. Harvest Public Media is a reporting collaborative focusing on America's rural and ag issues. Sue Balcom is next. Capital Shakespeare presents Barefoot in the Park, performed February 17th and 18th at 7 p.m. and February 19th at 2 p.m. at the North Dakota Heritage Center in Bismarck. Written by Neil Simon and directed by Deb Carpenter, Barefoot in the Park is a romantic comedy set in 1960s New York City. It follows newlywed couple Paul and Corey as they move into their new apartment together. 
When Corey's loopy mother makes a surprise visit, they decide to play matchmaker with their neighbor in the attic, Victor Velasco. And everything that can go wrong does. This American classic is told with a lot of humor and charm. Performances are free and open to the public. Arts programming on Prairie Public is supported in part by the North Dakota Council on the Arts, a state agency developing, promoting, and supporting the arts in North Dakota. This is Main Street on Prairie Public. I'm Ashley Thornburg with Craig Blumenschein. And joining us from our Bismarck studio for our weekly chat about food is root seller Sue. Sue Balcom is here for Main Street Eats. Sue, Craig, thanks for being on Main Street. Hey, thank you. It's Hi, a pleasure. Sue. Hi. How's everything on the other side of the stage? The other <laughs> side. We've stepped to the other side. Great. It's absolutely great. Yeah. Well, you guys know you're part of Minnesota. We uh, don't consider you all part of North oh, Dakota. Boy. Only half of us can say that. <laughs> Come on. Let's not start that. <laughs> <laughs> when, when a bill does not pass, when like a really good bill doesn't pass, we know it's because it was – Something that the eastern part of the state didn't understand, and they voted us down. So, bummer. All right. Well, Main Street Eats getting political. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Actually, the bill I was thinking about was the purchase of the Cross Ranch. That was like a really important um, thing to me that the state owned the Cross Ranch, but the Nature Conservancy District bought it and and they're salvaging it because it's really the only natural grasslands, I think, left along the river at all, the Missouri. So... It's our favorite place to kayak. I hope they stay that way. So you want to talk about lemons? Oh, that's right. Why am I here anyway? (laughs) Um, But um, lemons, yes. You know, we had talked earlier this year about cold and flu season and wellness month and stuff. And you had mentioned fire cider. Yes. And I absolutely tried that one year Mm -hmm. and absolutely just Mm -hmm. (laughs) I actually had some that was purchased at a local store. They apparently make it and you can buy it. Well, you should probably explain to people what fire cider is. Yeah, this sounds like a drink on a Saturday night Um, when it's cold outside. (laughs) Actually, fire cider is a lot of ingredients from lemons to um, horseradish to cayenne pepper and everything in between that you could possibly think of to put in a pan and simmer down yeah. to make an elixir that's supposed to ward off cold. Right. And you have, usually it's uh, apple cider vinegar is the liquid. Yes. And yeah. it's absolutely ugly to drink. I mean, I realize people get up and drink apple cider vinegar straight up too, but I don't know. You make I a real sour like face. It. I didn't, yeah. You well, make, right, you, you tolerate know, it's it. one of those yes. things where it's good for you. <laughs> so, yes. You don't and have to enjoy to the flavor. things that are good for you? Well, here's the deal. Not too long ago, my husband said, do you know what's going around Facebook? There's this thing about drinking um, hot lemon and, I can't remember oh, what it was. Oh, it's not the maple syrup thing, is it? Um, oh, you know what? That, oh, that's one of the challenges. That was. Yeah. Ugh. Well, but they said that that was like really good for you. The maple syrup, cayenne pepper, and lemon juice. Oh, sure. Uh, as just like a cold remedy. There right. is a version, though, of like a cleanse where you're not supposed to eat anything but oh, that. And yeah. that they've really come down on the side of that gets pretty dangerous pretty fast. Um, right. So what I did was I did a little bit of thinking about, you know, when we were growing up, we didn't have access to lots of different things. And so I found a recipe and then, of course, you know, implemented whatever I had in my refrigerator um, and Martha Stewart had this thing about lemons, and I thought, you know, lemons are something that I'm never without. 
like always mm-hmm. have a bag mm-hmm. of lemons in my refrigerator. I prefer the organic ones because there's so many things you can do with lemons cooking-wise and health-wise. So what I did was I created, I've been struggling with this cold pneumonia thing for a couple months now. And so I made an elixir of lemons and ginger, cayenne pepper, and turmeric. And I mix it, and it's nice and um, it's really strong. And then you add hot water to it and sip it. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my gosh, it's just delightful. The Soothing, only, yeah. Yes. The only thing that would make it better would be a, the addition of honey because that kind of coats your throat. Um, when you have a cough, like I have been battling this stupid cough. So I thought we should talk about some of the other things <laughs> right. about lemon. It's like fire cider that you can actually drink. Right, right. It's <laughs> palatable. And it's something that your kids might actually sip on if you, um, yeah. you know, treat it like a tea party. I will often like do those same ingredients, but in a uh, second ferment of kombucha as well. Oh, and that's my, my that's my cold buster. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And your mother was so strong. I got vinegar all over the inside of my cupboards. Like you can smell the, mm. the mother you gave me just open the cupboard. I'm like, whoa. Um, but <laughs> so yeah, for people ginger. who don't know what that means, it's because similar to like a sourdough, you would have a mother. It's actually in kombucha called a scoby. Um, um, yeah, and it's a symbiotic combination of something and something. Bacteria and yeast. And yeast. There mm-hmm. we go. And it's really good for you, too. But some people don't like that because a lot of your shelf stable ones at the store are real vinegary. Um, but that's supposed to be really good for you, too. But if you don't want to do kombucha or you don't want to do fire tonic, just lemons in themselves are a good source of hydration. Um, hmm. If you put a lemon in water, you might be more likely to drink more water and less soda. Wife does that all the time. Oh, my gosh, all the yeah. Time. I'm tea with lemon. Yep. I just love lemons. Um, it can help you with weight loss. You know, one of the things that you're supposed to do to maintain healthy weight is get up in the morning and drink two glasses of water to rehydrate yourself after the yeah. I've heard a lot of doctors say if you only change one habit. That's it. Drink right more water. Drink more water. And the lemon will actually add to the hydration. Um, it improves your skin quality, actually. Um, makes your breath smell good. And it's a lot of fun to walk around with those lemons. You know, you bite a lemon... Um, mm-hmm. And make it look like you have yellow teeth, you know, because mm-hmm. my kids and I have lemon eating contests. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you guys. Um, it actually helps. <laughs> sounds like one of those challenges, by the way. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm I'm always like, Claire, you're so mean to those little kids. You know, they're they're like infants and they're <laughs> in these little chairs and she's giving them lemon slices from her water at a restaurant watching their faces. <laughs> I'm like, that is so mean for crying oh. out loud. Cheapers. Um, and lemons also um, help prevent the formation of kidney stones because of the citric acid in there. Um, and they, they're, I don't know, they're just a good source of antioxidants. And, um, you know, if you're trying to wean yourself off caffeine, lemon water is one of the That's interesting. things hmm. that you should be doing to eliminate caffeine cravings. Why, why is that? Do we know? I don't know. Um, there's something about yeah. warm water and vitamin C that energizes you, like you the go. caffeine boost yeah. would be like that. So it's a low-calorie alternative That's to coffee. That's a good coffee. pro tip right so. there, Sue. Um, yes, now just leave the cream and sugar out, okay, ah. because that's the part that's not <laughs> that good for you, That wouldn't taste right? very good with lemon. Um, I wouldn't think so. But, you know, you drink tea with lemon and cream in it, you know, if you're British and you have tea time. So 
Uh, maybe. But but besides the tonic and all these health benefits, you can preserve your lemons in a really easy and wonderful way to use for cooking. And that is salt preserved. Have you ever done that? No. Oh, my Neither, gosh. Yep. It is so stinking awesome. I saw this post by Martha Stewart. She got hammered because she called it lemon confit. And that's not it at all. It's salt preserved lemons. So if you can get Meyer lemons, that would be one good thing, but otherwise organic lemons, because then you don't have to wash the peeling before you put them in. But you kind of quarter them or cut them into, you know, six or eight parts, but don't cut all the way through the lemon. And then you put salt in the bottom of a wide mouth jar, lots of salt, and then you salt the inside of that lemon and you'd start packing lemons into this salt. Huh. And you let that steep for a couple weeks. And then to use them in cooking or actually just eat them, you rinse the salt off of them, and they last forever. Like it's, and they're still juicy? Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, yes, I think they would they, dry out. No, they create even more juice. The salt pulls the water out of the lemons. Hmm. Um, and, and so I always keep lemons. If I have extra ones, I'll salt preserve them. You know, they're good for um, a squeeze of lemon in a gravy or a soup right before you're ready okay. to serve it, you know, brings out more flavor. Can you only be using this in a savory recipe then? Um, I would say that you could probably offset the salt with enough sugar. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But if you like the sweet, we got one more lemony thing for you, and that would be candied lemon peel. Oh, those Have you are ever done fantastic. that? fantastic, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I had all these oranges and lemons in the pantry, and... And they've been there a while. And JC's like, these aren't any good anymore. Buy some good lemons and oranges. And I'm like, well, if you'd eat them right away when I bring them home. There's that. But um, <laughs> I squeezed all the juice out for my ginger, lemon, citrus, cold concoction. <laughs> and then I, you trim the as much of the pith off of those peelings as you can stand to do, which is one not my favorite thing to do. You cut them in quarter-inch strips, and then you blanch them. You can do this with lemons and or oranges. You put them in a um, water, cover them with water, and simmer them for probably 15 minutes or so. And then you rinse, rinse them really well. And then you take probably, you know, a couple cups of orange peel and a couple cups of sugar and a couple cups of water, and you simmer that for about 45 minutes. Then you take your extra cup of sugar, you drain the water off, and then you toss those in sugar and put them on a cookie sheet and let them air dry for a couple days. Oh, my gosh. They are so good. Yeah. Our boss, Bill, makes uh, candied orange peels periodically. I like the lemon ones. They're a little bit more bitter than the orange ones, but you can Mm -hmm. also put those in. Drum roll, Easter's coming up, spring is coming up. Then we have to make traditional breads, and there's an Easter bread that has candied fruit in it, and so I'm saving some of these for Ooh. that recipe. Is it, is it just a fruitcake um, that's been sitting <laughs> no, around for a long no, time? No, 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 I know how you feel no. about fruitcake. <laughs> I did not get a one single fruitcake oh, this year. What is I'm wrong really with people? I'm really disappointed. <laughs> um, so if any of you got fruitcakes back there, send oh, them my boy. way. You know, oh, I'd like we had to a little test one. here in the office. Yeah, I did. thought it went pretty well. Yeah. What did you You we tested fruitcake? Oh, yeah. see? It's yeah. not so bad, no, is it? No, it's not so bad. But the stolen I can, was better. I oh. can see how making it from scratch and making a few strategic upgrades, I, I would enjoy it a little bit more. I think it's actually um, a little moister, not so dry when you make it yeah. 
yeah. if you can control right. that a little bit, then you mm-hmm. can control the amount of liquor you pour over the top mm-hmm. of it. Well, steep <laughs> it too, so I'm well, just saying. Yeah, there's, there's that. <laughs> Sue, I'm going to spring this on you. Uh, settle, settle an argument between my husband and me. Uh-oh. How do you zest a lemon? How do you zest yes. a lemon? Oh, my gosh. You know, I was going to do a whole episode on the little things <laughs> that I didn't have in my pantry growing up that I have now that I would uh-huh. never part with. And a lemon zester is one of them. Okay. It's a long, skinny grater, tiny little grater. You can use it for nutmeg pods. You can use it for lemon. And zesting a lemon means just the surface area. You you want to grate just the surface area of your lemon off. of the no, outside, outside of the peel. Of the peel. Okay, this is the part I need you to say even louder. You do, <laughs> Zach. You do not want anything but the very outside oily area because if you get into the pith, that's where your bitterness comes from. So you want to just gently scrape that off the top. Well, thank you, Sue. I feel so vindicated. (laughs) (laughs) And get yourself a zester. Yes, that makes a big difference. They're so easy. Yes, you could grate anything on them, just like a microplane for your heels. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How would you put that image in our heads when we're talking about Sometimes I'm evil. So get a lemon zester, get some lemons. I think citrus is still in season. So, you know, and then we're coming on strawberry season here pretty soon. I'm looking pretty far ahead into the spring. I like it. Mm -hmm. I like it. Keep that up. Um, Yes. Rhubarb, strawberry jam. Here we come. Sue, if you just want to keep the lemon for a day or two, so you don't need the salt or sugar solution, let's say you have half a lemon. What is the best way to preserve that for, you know, just you'll use it again next day. Whoever has a half a lemon. This happens to me. I'll I'll squeeze a lemon into something and then, you know, if you add more, you've got too much lemon. I usually tell JC to have a lemon Coke or a lemon water with that extra, but I just wrap it and put it back in the refrigerator. I use that sealing mm-hmm. plastic well, I don't know what you call it we got two different kinds so one of them is stickier than the other mm-hmm. but so I just wrap it and put it in the refrigerator and that's good for a day right. or two and you know what I, I let them go until they get moldy like if they're moldy throw them out but if they're not moldy yeah. I'll still use them and here's a couple things if you do not have a lemon squeezer which you know the people that have electric gadgets for everything we don't have that kind of space so my favorite is a depression glass juicer that I got from oh, my so mom pretty. that works so phenomenal. But you can juice a lemon without um, having a squeezer. And what you want to do is, A, warm it up. B, you can do make that. sure you have a whole bunch of cuts on your hands. And, yeah, <laughs> right. Because, ooh, that is so <laughs> much fun, isn't it? Yeah. And then the salt on top of that. Yeah, right. So you can nuke it. In the microwave for a couple seconds. Hmm. Um, you can also, instead of cutting them around the equator, cut them around, cut them the lengthwise way, oh. you know, and they'll get, you'll actually get more juice out of that. Oh, I didn't know that. But I roll them around on the counter, squeeze it out with my hands. You know, there's a million ways to get more juice out of that lemon, especially if you warm it up. Um, if you stab it a couple times before you put it over your little juicer thing, that will help bust open those cells and you'll get way and, more juice. And you'll get some aggression worked out. Right on. <laughs> we check in with Root Cellar Sue once a week. Thank you, Sue. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Sue. On Prairie Public Primetime TV tonight. Throw a stone into the river. 
You'll watch the ripples run. I'm Sarah Morris from Shoreview, Minnesota, performing some of my Americana originals right here on Prairie Musicians. Won't you join me for a fun night of music? Watch Prairie Musicians tonight at 9 Central, 8 Mountain on Prairie Public. Support for Dakota Datebook is provided by Books on Broadway and Dakota Soda and Coffee Company of Williston, featuring coffees and a wide variety of books for children and adults. Books on Broadway, the independent bookstore for independent minds. This is Dakota Datebook for February 16th. Tempers flared during the 1933 legislative session in Bismarck when the leader of a ballot measure to repeal alcohol prohibition in the state sparred with state lawmakers. The session overall was unusual, being that the Capitol had burned down in 1930, and a new Capitol wouldn't be completed until 1934. In 1933, the state Senate met in the World War Memorial Building in Bismarck, and the House met in the city auditorium. C.P. Stone of Mandan was a hotel proprietor and leader of the successful ballot measure in 1932 to repeal the Prohibition Clause from North Dakota's Constitution. In February of 1933, he announced that supporters of the measure would circulate petitions to recall state lawmakers who subsequently opposed legislation repealing Prohibition. His recall threat riled State Senator Oscar Erickson of Kidder County, who put forth a resolution condemning Stone. The Senate printed the resolution in the Senate Journal on this date in 1933, condemning Stone's statement as un-American, unpatriotic, and wholly improper. Erickson's resolution also made clear that this resolution is to maintain the integrity of our lawmaking bodies and to afford protection to the members thereof from the threats of an unscrupulous, unjust, and unfair lobbyist representing an interest who lacked the true conception of our American form of government. The resolution also deprived Stone of entering the Senate floor and balcony and mandated the sergeant-at-arms to forthwith expel him therefrom, should he enter. But five years later, Stone would become tax commissioner, though the appointment lasted only one week at the end of Governor Bill Langer's last term. Erickson went on to become the state insurance commissioner, but the state House of Representatives impeached him in 1945 for corruption and malfeasance. The Senate later acquitted him. Erickson died in office shortly afterward, and Stone died in 1946. Today's Dakota Datebook was written by Jack Dura. I'm Merrill Pepcorn. Dakota Datebook is produced in cooperation with the State Historical Society of North Dakota, with funding by Humanities North Dakota, North Dakota's largest lifelong learning community. You don't have to leave the country to explore the vibrant world of public broadcasting, but you will need a passport. Introducing the Prairie Public Passport, bringing the quality of public television right to your fingertips. You can watch hundreds of hours of Downton Abbey, The Great British Baking Show, Nova, Antiques Roadshow, Austin City Limits, and much, much more on demand anytime to stream on a range of platforms, including computers, smartphones, tablets, and at pbs.org. Plus, enjoy original Prairie Public productions such as Germans from Russia. Just go to prairiepublic.org, click the Donate button, and for a $5 or more monthly sustaining membership or a minimum $60 annual gift, you'll automatically have access to the rich, vast, and growing library of PBS. It's just one more way we can say thank you for your support. And you won't even have to take a lousy photo. 
the Prairie Public Passport. Unlock yours today at prairiepublic.org. That's it for this Thursday edition of Main Street. Coming up tomorrow on the show, a well-loved and maybe hated family game Monopoly. The true history of the game is explored in an upcoming episode of American Experience. We visit with filmmaker Stephen Ives about Ruthless Monopoly's secret history and how it went from touting collective wealth to stressing individual wealth. That's tomorrow on Main Street. Until then, enjoy the rest of your day.